Welcome to Everyone a Changemaker, where we interview the world's leading social entrepreneurs on their journey towards creating social impact and systemic change. Tune in and discover innovative solutions for the most pressing challenges that we face today. Brought to you by Ashoka Innovators for the Public. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Everyone a Changemaker. Today we have Shannon Olson joining us from the Echo Network in India. Shannon, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you today. I've always enjoyed my interactions with the Ashoka program and everyone who's involved in it. Shannon, would you mind for our audience giving us a brief introduction to what it is you do? Well, a number of things. I'm a, I'm a scientist by training. I'm also an educator by training and I've been a scientist for 20 years, but for the last three years, I've been global director of this organization called the Echo Network, which is now over 2,000 members, I think 45 countries. And the purpose of the Echo Network is really to try and bring science into society. It's to try to bring different sectors together, including, of course, academia and research, but also NGOs and government and industry and communities to try to use science and technology and evidence-based information to achieve faster sustainability in their communities. So it's really trying to bring science down to the level of individual communities and work together to solve these problems, these wicked problems of the world using using science. Shannon, you said wicked problems of the world. What exactly (laughs) are you referring to there? Yeah, I like the term wicked problem because I think it really encapsulates the issues that we're facing right now. Sustainability in itself is a really, really difficult term to define because it's different for every person. It's different for every community. Our network has two hubs. We have a hub in Bangalore, India. We also have a hub in Copenhagen, Denmark. And Denmark is considered one of the most sustainable countries in the world. So sustainability there means something very different. For most people in the West, sustainability means reducing, controlling your consumption, controlling the things that you buy and the things that you, and thinking about the things that you eat and that you consume and reducing that. For many in other parts of the world, particularly in the global south and for many in India sustainability means lifting up it means empowering it means increasing the success and the livelihoods and their ability to sustain themselves and their families and to actually achieve their dreams so you really have to balance both and that's a wicked problem because it's something that is not solvable with one panacea. There's no pill that we can take for sustainability. There's no one technology we can adopt. It actually requires all of us to work together. I love the idea. Everyone's a change maker. We firmly believe at the Echo Network that everyone needs to get involved in this process. Everybody has value. No matter who they are, they can play a role in in improving the sustainability of this planet and the people in it. So Shannon, you've touched on like, I think a really interesting part of the whole sustainability discourse there. We've heard it quite a bit in the past few years that oh you know countries in the global south tend to be more sustainable than societies in you know the west like america and europe and the whole idea of progress and development in these countries is actually going towards a less sustainable way of life another related criticism tends to be that the idea of sustainability is rather elitist that Hmm. it's not something that we can expect the everyday person to kind of engage with and deal with because they have economic problems social problems that also need to be dealt with so 
where do you lie on the spectrum and how do you believe that as a society we can take the burden of sustainability away from individuals and just make it a systemic thing like this is the way the world works well i think you have to tackle it on different levels i understand the point that's being made and it was kind of the point i was just making in 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 my previous answer that sustainability means something very different right for many in 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 india for example india is a, a fascinating country to work and to live in because it really to me is all of the issues that we're dealing with are already in India. You know, India is not a poor country, right? India is not a suffering country. India has enormous amounts of wealth. It has enormous amounts of power. It has some very rich people. It has all of the same sorts of issues in the country that you would expect, you know, when you're talking about the world as well. So we also have to deal with this in India where we have a significant number of people who do have enormous amounts of power and wealth and a very large population population who has very little to even sustain their livelihood. So we have to balance those two. And it means different obligations, right? For the people who sustainability and, and reducing consumption is not something you can place upon somebody who doesn't have enough to survive, right? This makes no sense. It's not only unfair, it's not an, an effective strategy. And from that standpoint, you really have to look at sustainability as as I said, this wicked problem that you have to look at in contextual ways to different communities and different types of, of people. But that doesn't mean that they can't go together, right? Part of actually becoming more sustainable and, and reducing your consumption can also be uplifting communities that don't have enough for their livelihoods. So the kind of strategies that we employ at the network are these systemic strategies where we try to bring people together from different walks of life and say, okay, what does each person in this value chain? What does each person in this system need? Maybe this group needs to consume less, but this group doesn't have enough to survive. How can we actually come up with a system where both ends are met at the same time? And that's truly what I think sustainability is. It's actually that balance. And that's what we really try to achieve in the network. And we do firmly believe that science and technology plays a valuable role in that as long as it's given this humanist angle and it pays attention to the needs and values and is done in a compassionate and, and equitable way. Shannon, I always feel like when we talk about like science and tech and stuff like that, there's like two schools of thought. I think this exists in all research actually, which is a research for the sake of research. We're going to you know search for this despite it having no concrete implications in our society because you know we're a curious species. We just want to know. And then there's the other side of, okay, there's a problem in the world and we're going to solve it. Your echo network kind of leans towards the latter definition of what science and research should be. And why do you think this gap existed in the first place? Well, it's usually called in academia, we usually call basic research the first kind, the kind where you're just examining a phenomenon to understand it. You're just understanding the observable universe because there's questions out there to be answered. And the second we call applied research, where you're actually applying the knowledge of science to solve a problem in the world. I see absolutely no distinction between the two. And it's in fact my, my own journey as a scientist that has led me to this conclusion. There is no distinction. It's just a different way of utilizing that knowledge at the end. So I'm a chemical ecologist by training. Chemical ecology is the study of how animals and plants and microorganisms use chemistry to interact with each other because chemistry is the single means by which all life on the planet can communicate. So it's this kind of universal language of life out there because, you know, not everybody can talk like we are talking. Not every organism can hear. Not every organism even has eyes, right? Plants don't have eyes. But chemistry is the one way that 
every organism can communicate. So that's what I've been studying. And I found that by trying to understand that communication, it has actually led me to some insights that are also very, very useful to addressing some of today's problems, right? So looking at how this communication is being infected by environmental change, by how humans are changing the landscape around them, actually gives us insights onto not only what are we doing to our planet, but also how we can maybe reverse that process in order to preserve our ecosystems, right? So I don't see a distinction between the two. I think it's all in how you utilize that knowledge going forward. And I think that this is a false dichotomy that's been presented to us over the years. And I really think that it's uh, that it's not a true one. I've been working for nine years at a basic research institute, the Tata Institute of Fundamental Research. It literally is in the name that it's fundamental and not geared towards necessarily curing cancer or addressing climate change or any of these big questions. That doesn't mean that answering these fundamental questions of our universe can't provide deep insights on the how we can live better with our planet. And that's also part of the Echo Network's tenets is that we embrace all types of science and technology because we feel that knowledge is needed in all fronts in order to be able to address these problems. And there is no such thing as just a basic scientist answering fundamental questions, so. Okay, that's good to know. So how does the Echo Network work at an operational level? Like, do you guys just connect with different people people and kind of bring them together if you see that there's a synergy there? Or how does the Echo Network as an organization work? The Echo Network is actually a process. We call ourselves a network. We are a network of people, but it's actually a process that was initiated three years ago at the beginning of 2020, right when the pandemic was getting started. That's also when we started and we're still on that journey. It's actually a long experiment. It will be a 15 year plus long experiment as it goes along to build something called communities of practice. And communities of practice is this concept, which is very fundamental to how humans work, right? Essentially, you're in a community of practice anytime together with a group of people to do something, to to clean up your, your backyard, to volunteer for a cause, to try to advocate for a change in policy. Whatever you do, that group of people becomes a community of practice where you work together and you learn from each other and you try to address problems. So the way our network is structured is honestly by going through this process. We we started out in 2020 by interviewing about 12,000 people across India, and we worked with our founding partners. We were founded by the principal scientific advisor to the government of, of India, K.V. Jaragavan, but also we had several wonderful founding partners like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hindustan Unilever, the Ashoka Trust for Research in Ecology and Environment, a C-Camp, which is a, a biotech incubator around glass and the India Climate Collaborative. And we talked to all of our founding partners and we said, can you introduce us to people who can then introduce us to people at all levels of society, you know, everything from a CEO to an artist, to a farmer, to a doctor, and let us hear their voice. And so that's what we did. So we, we spoke to about 12,000 people from all different parts of India, all, all different backgrounds, all different interests about what they cared about. And that process led to an analytical process where we derived, you know, commonalities between their interests. And it was amazing to me how much commonality there was at the time where what people were really concerned about in India. Health was obviously a big concern with the pandemic, but not just their own health, but actually how their health was being influenced by environmental changes and, and, and changes in the health of animals around them. And that's the idea of One Health. 
They were concerned with agriculture. Agriculture is so important to India as it is to every country, but, but it's also important to the livelihoods of many Indians. And they were very concerned about how the degenerative nature of modern agriculture is affecting the livelihoods of the people who rely on farming and, and our rural communities as well. Also, just how we evaluate ecosystems in general. How, how do we decide whether we want to build a road or whether we want to do something with this lake or whether we want to build this skyscraper or whether we're going to build this hydroelectric dam? Can we make better decisions that are based in understanding of science and ecology and environment? And the last one is, you know, how do we make things more circular? How do we stop extracting our natural resources and start giving back to our natural resources in a circular process? So those four concepts became our four focus areas. So that came directly from the people who told us what they cared about. And that's how it started. So then we started calling an expert first with our, with our founding partners, but then we had a spokes model where our experts called more experts. And that's how we grew to be 2000, almost 2200 strong now. And this process, we're increasingly growing outwards and getting more and more insights from different types of people from different backgrounds to feed into these four major areas and help us understand what is it that we need to do now? How do we go about doing it? What is the science and technology information that's needed? Does it exist? Does it need to be created through research? And then how do we get it to the people that can use it most, either a community or a company or a government or whoever it may be that can use that information? So that's how we have grown. That's how we're structured. We work like a co-op. Most of our resources are not coming from our, you know, we do have some generous support from various organizations I mentioned and also the North Novo Nordisk Foundation, but most of our support comes from the time and effort and generosity of the people in our network who share their knowledge, who share their, their software, who share their insights, who share their communities with us, who share, you know, all of these things. And that really creates this unique model where we actually share resources amongst each other. We, we find that one of the biggest limitations for doing this kind of work in, in not only in India, but across the world is that everybody is clamoring for the same small pot of money. And we never as an NGO or as an organization can get enough support to do the things we're doing. And one of the things our network does and say, hey, what is it that you need? And what they need is maybe what another organization already has. So then we match them with each other and then we get them to work together so that the amount of resources that they require is much, much less and they can do more with less by working together. So this is another big concept of building a community of practice. It's a long process and it's evolving over time and we're unlearning every day and we're learning more and we are ourselves changing and we're not the same as we were three years ago. And that's the beauty of this network. And it's a big experiment going forward yes I'm, I'm actually really glad you said that because one of my like long-term like the end goal of like my career I would say is to basically start like a venture capitalism type system but for like the social sector so it's really interesting that you spoke about the small part of money because that's another thing I wanted to ask you you obviously work with government and you work with communities and you work with scientists do you also work with companies yes absolutely and you have to work with everybody on their own terms so we absolutely work with companies some of the biggest companies in the world. You know, Unilever is one of the biggest, largest corporations in the world, and they're huge in India as well, right? I think they're in, they say, over 90% yes. of people's homes, which means they traverse all, all socioeconomic strata, all different communities across the country, and they're very concerned about sustainability. We pride ourselves in saying, we don't belong to industry. We don't belong to government. We don't belong to academia. We 
belong to everybody because we really try to bridge the the values and the the goals of each of these organizations. Understanding people's wants and needs is the first in all of our interactions. I, I mentioned that we have you know we have all these experts and people coming in. An expert to us just you know isn't doesn't mean a PhD. Expert is a farmer. Expert is a, a painter. Expert is a community organizer. Expert is a kid who has started a recycling in their school, right? We, you know, everybody, as you said, everyone's a change maker. We believe everyone's also an expert in their own lives. Okay. So that's what we mean by experts. One of the first things they do with them is try to understand their values and their wants and really go through this value process with them and, you know, theory of change with them so that we understand where they're coming from. And then we make sure that the products and the outputs that we create in our network, which are everything from research to white papers, to briefs, even to types of data analysis are actually providing the types of information that is valuable to those different groups. That's also very hard, right? It's hard to create something that can please multiple people, but you do that by finding common threads and a common purpose between them. So we can't address everybody's wants and everybody's needs all the time, but what we do is try to address the needs and wants that cross all of these sectors that everybody agrees is a big thing that they're concerned about and that they want to change or they want to learn or they want to have a uh, uh, results about. So in essence, you basically work to ensure a coincidence of wants between all these yeah. different parties. As an external person that works with all these different agents, what do you think are the most pressing sustainability concerns that we deal with today? The biggest issue is, it's a very simple answer in a way, but it's also the biggest problem, which is change. We need to change what we're doing. And that's really, really scary to everybody. No matter who you are, even, even the people that are losing out from this process, right? Even that to them, change is scary because they have seen, you know, a, a direction of how they want, you know, the aspiration of what they want to happen. And now you're saying, but that's not that's not the, the way to go, right? And so it's scary at every level. So just even getting people to the point where they understand that a change is needed because people say they want change. And we were talking about, you know, the change maker today, but change is really, really, really hard for people to grasp and people to consider. And sustainability actually means a fundamental change in how we live on this planet. And that scares everybody. It scares people with power and without power, with money, without money. And that is the single most difficult thing to try to work with right now. So that's really the thing we work with is how we can do small changes, right? Small incremental changes, something really small people will do it because then they don't see the effect and you have to do it that way. You can't just tell people you have to completely stop doing this, bam, like this. That will be not only hard for them, but it can also create this animosity with them where they won't they won't ever come back to you again, right? But if you do a small thing, then you start working together. So it also means that it does seem like small changes and going forward, honestly, that way it has to happen. And it also has to happen with positivity. I'm very exhausted by the, the discussions on how everything is terrible, everything is melting, everything is getting hot, it's all gloom and doom. And it is a crisis. I'm not trying to make light of the fact that there are really terrible things happening. We live them every day in India, right? And the people that suffer from the most are not me. I'm extremely privileged in my world. They're the people that have no voice, right? And they're the ones that are truly suffering the most from this process. So I'm not making light of that. But that isn't the way that you drive this change. You don't drive this change from fear and horror. You drive it from hope. 
So we also try to push forward these larger changes as ones of hope and ones of possibility. And that's how you can go from really small changes to the really big changes that are truly gonna make the difference. I am hopeful and just trying to work every day that those changes happen sooner than later because they should have happened before I even got into this business. But you know, we'll just try to work together to make them happen. And the great thing is, is I'm not doing it alone. I have 2,200 people with me <laughs> who are also trying to make it happen. And that makes me much more hopeful that it is going to happen very soon. And it already is happening. Shannon, it's so nice to talk to you this morning because, you know, we get up and we're kind of overwhelmed by like our news feeds of, you know, horror and, oh, the earth is going to survive past 2050. I think you bring such a new and unique approach to it. And I really, really hope that you accomplish all your goals in the next 15 years that this experiment continues. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And to our audience, guys, please check out the Echo Network. We'll put the website in the description as well. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here today and to speak with you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this episode inspired you on your changemaker journey. Together, we are creating a world where everyone can be a changemaker.